This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast, brought to you this week by Creative Live. You want to learn how to record music, check out our friends at Creative Live. They know what the hell's going on. They've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by artists like Between the Bear and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan, creativelive.com slash audio if you want to learn more watch some free previews check it out get yourself a career damn it <laughs> isn't it awesome that the, the internet makes things like I mean, when the internet was first founded it's like I remember people going you could run like this cursor over it and it makes a sound you know that that's <laughs> like the, the, the extent of how awesome the internet could be I mean, you can look at a picture and then when you roll over it, it the picture might change a little bit I was like wow that sounds awesome little did I know that creative live would be the pinnacle of what the internet has a, possible the way that it Learning is now available to you, unlike it's ever been available to anyone else in history, is absolutely, it's just mind-blowing. Well, there's a lot of talk about higher education and a lot of stuff like that, you know, and, and nowadays. And I mean, I think that what's cool is, is that you're not going to learn a lot of this stuff in a college, right? There's not a lot. I mean, there's there's some places that have great programs that are going to do it, uh, great music schools and stuff like that. But it's going to be a lot of money. Uh, it's going to be a lot of time for you to really get get your get yourself effective and then to get going. But if you really want to kind of jumpstart everything, this is a great way to really learn some cool stuff from people that are doing it every single day, which kicks ass. Yeah, and dude, if if you're working like you know your nine hour, ten hour day at work, and when you get home, all you want to do is sit and watch TV or or or, or play video uh, games. play video games or whatever it is. It's not that you won't do something awesome for yourself because you're too tired. It's that you're uninspired. Go on, go on, Creative Live, and I promise you something there will inspire you, and you will come from home from work, you will be excited to learn something that can get you out of that dead-end, uninspiring job that you've got. Creative I mean, that, Live, to me, get inspired. Yeah. There you go. Get okay. inspired. Right. Nah, like it, yeah, like and make friends. Remember, that was the other part. You make friends. Cool friends. <laughs> you will be cool and make and have plenty of friends, and you will be inspired. It's going to be inspired. amazing. Amazing. Hey, uh, if you want to get inspired weekly on a weekly basis, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast, because if nothing else, we are inspirational. Uh, <laughs> you can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. That way it comes right to your device or whatever. That's a great way to do it. Uh, maybe while you're there, leave us a couple of stars. Tell us we suck you can also get us at metalsucks.net every single monday click on the podcast tab that's where you find us and you can also find all the old episodes up there as well we are on social media uh, all over the place at um let's see at chuck and godless on instagram hopefully we'll have a bunch of pictures from 
70,000 tons of metal going up there very soon. Uh, I plan on taking plenty of pictures while we are on the boat trip, so yes. Yeah, I plan on having a phone that i can't seem to keep charged <laughs> well so this that seems to be my the way i roll so we're recording this episode like way early because uh we're going to be on the trip actually and coming back when this is released so i think we're going to be get, getting back in port on the monday that this uh this episode comes out and we chose to kind of hang on to this interview that we've got in this one uh because we spent a lot of time a lot of time talking to stevic uh mckay from uh from 12 foot ninja now this was an interesting interview. It was something that we wanted to hold on to because um, because I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna enjoy it because it's an interesting perspective uh, from a band who is kind of on the verge right now. Of all the interviews that we've ever done, this is absolutely top three or top five. It's one of the most affecting interviews for me that i think we've ever had i walked away from this interview almost shaken i mean it's a it's a really really interesting candid and uh, surprising conversation with uh with you know one of the most talented guys to me 12 foot ninja are what we what i had hoped a faith no more would evolve into instead of what they did which was just giving up <laughs> and you know when when people like, like look at the the album from last year and and it's okay you know what if you were excited about faith no more's album last year and it just didn't deliver for you go listen to 12 foot ninja man they're just they're melding genres like left right and center they're completely at their own you know anything can happen at any moment i love that about their music and so uh, i you know and then when you talk to musicians and you say hey what bands get you excited they'll go i don't know if you've heard of this band from australia but the 12 foot ninja and well yeah absolutely and everybody's excited about this band and they're blowing up on on radio uh on uh, serious radio so it seems like Everything is going right for them. Mm-hmm. And so that was the what we went into this conversation anticipating, and it ended up being a very, very different conversation. So remember that scene in Almost Famous where he gets off the phone with, uh, with, with, the, with the dude's mom, and he turns to him and says, Mom, or, dude, uh, your mom kind of freaked me out. Uh, that's kind of how I felt after this interview, actually. I was like, wow, I'm... I don't know how to feel right now. It's sort of crazy because honestly, like when you look at a band who is kind of on the verge, that's, that's doing really well, you know, whether it's a single or whatever. And I know a lot of people are kind of up in the air about who they are uh, because, you know, they posted a thing uh, or Stevic actually posted a a post on Facebook about, you know, not being a troll about genres and other stuff because they're doing, they're kind of blending like you said so many different styles it's a lot of fusion going on in this thing and a lot of you know pure metal people think it's blah 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 blah, blah you know whatever but i it's something new and interesting but i think you know like you said we were going into it with the you guys are on top are getting you know climbing to the top of this thing and he's got a whole different perspective from the inside out and that i think was probably the most surprising thing What's a, I mean, I, I was blown away. I hope other people get out of this conversation a lot of what we got. I mean, it's uh, uh, and then some because I, I think that uh, 
I think this is a really important conversation for people to listen to. So as we are trying to struggle our way through customs and bring back whatever we had got in Jamaica off the 70,000 tons of metal crews, uh, you can peruse this interview with Stevic McKay of 12 Foot Ninja on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, mate. How you going? All right. What's going on, man? How you doing? It's uh, Chuck and Godless here. Yeah. Good to, good to meet you. Now, is it Stevic? Stevic? Do we, how do we pronounce the E in, in your name? Stevic. My, name, okay, my good, name's good, Steve. Good. My name's Steve. It's a, just Stevic's a nickname. It's sort of just stuck. But Stevic is the... It's like a Croatian sort of... Uh, <laughs> you won't believe why I'm called Stevic. A lot of people think I'm, um, I have some strange uh ethnic background but it's just when i play halo and i headshot people it just sounds weird killed by steve you know? <laughs> i don't so, know I, I sort of i've been killed by plenty of steves on halo so <laughs> yeah so i uh i went for um you know something with a bit more pang at the end of it and um because i was getting pretty good everyone was like fucking stabic you know so i just stuck <laughs> As long as you weren't a camper, you were probably fine, you know. Oh, yeah, man. you did the head, the headset, and all that stuff. Oh shit, yeah, dude. I've got the, um, I've got the Turtle Beach ones where you can hear when people are walking behind you. Nice. It gives you, it gives you a distinct advantage. Yeah. So anyway, what, what do you guys want to talk about? Well, that goes like completely against. All right, so first of all, fuck you, man. That the post you put on December twenty sixth about the stage yep. four cancer stuff—that uh, sent Chuck uh, and I down a rabbit hole. Yeah, that, you know, come on, oh, you're killing us. Oh, uh, and then I'm looking at I'm looking at the pictures of the poor daughter and her trying to have a fun time on Christmas. Oh, you're kidding, killing me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I really I hesitated posting that because I thought, is this going to spiral everyone down into a black hole of despair? <laughs> but um, weirdly, I see. But it, you were playing Halo I, at the same time, so you just did it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't actually, but I, I haven't played for. I, well, I got on the other day and I got slaughtered, but I, I'd had a few beers, so I think you need to be sharp on that shit. Pineapple, no alcohol, you know, sushi, fresh, mm. fresh and sharp. But yeah, the the that post I I ran it past my manager because I'm like, is there a way that you know is this depressing? Is this dark? You know, is it sort of too full on? But I don't know. I'm I'm sort of grappling with my own I don't know confrontation with mortality and the idea of it. I mean, it sounds pretty deep, but to to speak to someone who's facing that like head on, it kind of makes all the um, the insignificant shit in your life uh, melt away. It sounds a bit cliche, but I don't know. I, I, I've had quite a profound effect on me, so I wanted to um, I wanted to put the post up, and it seemed to have got a good reaction, you know, from people getting the context. It, it wasn't meant to be depressing. It was meant to be like, you know, like that Dickens Ghost of Christmas Past thing. You often don't appreciate what you have until you can kind of play out the idea of losing it. Anyway, is that too heavy for the no, morning? No, what I mean, I, I really think that that's, I mean, that's what I my takeaway on the post was, but I'm like, I'm looking at it going, you know, you guys are, you guys are in a pretty, 
pretty upbeat band. You guys got a great sense of humor. You're out there. You kind of seem to have a good sense of yourself already. And that that was also something that it seemed sort of surprising. It feels like you already sort of live for the day that, at the moment you're at right now. Is that not the case? Or did you feel like you were losing touch with something there? Um, no, I, I definitely um, have had those existential crisis moments where I'm, you know, wondering whether I'm um, connected to what I'm doing. Um, I've been reading a lot about mindfulness. Um, I'm not really a new agey kind of dude at all, but yeah, I think when you spend the amount of time that I've spent on, um, you know, 12 foot ninja related stuff. And uh, I know a lot of musicians and bands will relate to this. I think you can live your whole life inside your own head. Mm. Like, I've been all over the world and often I can't, I can't remember being there. Like, cause I was too busy thinking about what am I going to do with that video or, you know, how am I going to get that arrangement right or, or whatever. It's sort of like analysis paralysis inside your own head. And I started looking into it a bit more and there's a, there's a thing called disassociation. <clears throat> and I have often had that, like my, um, job is I, I'm a, a lecturer at a, um, a higher education, like bachelor degree in music uh, marketing and, and um, music songwriting and stuff. And I often would find myself mid-lecture and then all of a sudden realise that I was talking. Like, and I started to wonder whether I was losing my mind. But it's just, um, I think it's just connected to that living your entire existence kind of in your own thoughts as opposed to being present in that particular moment. So that's what I'm kind of looking at at the moment. And um, I think, you know, my concern is that I'll sort of um, wake up one day and wonder where the last 20 years went, you know, and it just, cause it just flies by really quick. I want to be able to sort of save a time a little bit more and take experiences in and not be thinking band strategy or, you know, what, what's the next video going to be, or how's the story going to evolve or, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just constantly preoccupying becomes sort of like an uncontrollable obsession that kind of tortures you. Like when you, you want to chill out, but your brain's just thinking about that shit. Anyway, yeah. Well, no, I mean, uh, because it it brings up a good point. I mean, you know, when you guys are out there playing these big festivals in the States and you guys are having experiences that a lot of a lot of people would just, you know, die to have like it's just amazing experiences. You want to kind of be there and be present for that and feel what you should feel right there. I mean, whatever that should feel, whether it's happiness, sadness, anger, whatever, but feeling what you should feel in that moment right there when your feet are planted on that point in on the earth that's something that you want to be able to experience as a human being, right? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. And um, I guess I, um, you know, I've chatted to the guys in the band about this because we, it's, we're all motivated by different things and we, we experience things differently. You know, and there, there was times like, like we supported uh, Mastodon here at Festival Hall, which is one of the biggest venues in Melbourne. And um, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel nervous it was like I had no. Wow. I was just sort of like a meat sack going through the um, the motions a little bit, and it was a bit concerning at the time. So, I guess that was one of the contributing factors to me trying to understand this a little bit more. You know, a lot of people like I don't post those kind of um, 
I don't post shit like that on, on social media because, you know, a lot of people inundate you with like, oh, listen to classical music or whatever. But I find like music, it's hard to listen to music. Like this is the thing that a lot, sounds stupid to a lot of people because they, they live for music and they love it. But like when, yeah, like when I listen to music, I can't help but to try and figure out what's going on with it. Like um, it's a really annoying thing um to have because you you really can't just zone out and enjoy it your brain's trying to i think a lot of people who produce music or record and do all the diy stuff could relate to that because you spend half you know the majority of your time trying to understand how things fit together so it becomes automated after a while and you just can't switch it off um so, I mean, that's why people, I think people think I'm a bit of a prick when they send me, <laughs> I get so many people going, can you please listen to this, listen to our demo, tell us what you think. Like, I just want to listen to the air conditioner or the fan. Like, I just don't <laughs> want to listen to music. Like, <laughs> you know. It's a, so, you it never is, you never had an experience like, I mean, maybe it's uh, too many drugs or something that I've uh, taken over the years. It's like I smoked a lot of pot and listened to dark side of the moon too many times or whatever, but you, you never had something like that where a piece of music gripped you, whether classical or any, anything like that. That's never grabbed you oh, yeah. and, and gave you the feels. I mean, sure. There've been, I call them like lightning bolt sort of moments okay. where, um, you know, I just absolutely get blown away by something. The, the one experience that I remember um, and it's, you know, it's not heavy music at all. Um, Jeff Buckley's Grace album. Oh. I remember there, there, was this, there was this show um, in Australia before the time of cable, you know, when we had to have kangaroos on cycles pedaling for electricity. <laughs> we, we'd, I'd have to stay up till after midnight to watch music, music television, our version of music television, which is called Rage. And it would always come on after midnight. So you'd stay up and you'd be so wrecked, like just from being awake. And you'd play this game. If the next song's shit, I'm going to bed. If the next song's shit, I'm going to bed. And I was staying up. I wanted to catch um, uh, Rata Mahata, that Sepultura yeah. animated yeah. clip. I, I remember being fascinated by that when I was younger, well, younger than I am now. And this this bloody Jeff Buckley guy came on. The first time I heard it, I was like, what is this? You know, this guy is like sh- shrill, like his voice. I just, you know. I, I, I was like, when is this going to be over? Like the first two times I heard it. And then the third time, it was weird. It, it literally like I, I was electrocuted or something. I went, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Like it all just came together. And then I became obsessed with Jeff Buckley and I bought everything uh, he'd ever recorded. Um, and despite, you know, a lot of the, the mega Buckley fans um, protest, I also bought, um, you know, sketches for my sweetheart, the drunk and the mm-hmm. stuff that was released after his death, which he didn't want anyone to hear, but I selfishly um, couldn't resist kind of knowing um, where some of his, where he was going, you know, um, after Grace. And, and there have been artists um, like Meshuggah was another one, like, I'd heard, I'd heard it before and I was like, eh, you know, I don't know. Like I'm not, cause I'm admittedly, I'm not a, I'm not one of these dudes that just listens to metal flat out. Like I, um, obviously, you know, it comes out in the band, but when I heard it was, um, Neurotica on the Chaosphere album 
And I listened to that song and Corridor of Chameleons. Those two, just so, I listened to them so much, I actually broke the dashboard of my car trying to drum along to the, the rhythms. Um, and that they were lightning bolt moments where I was like, these guys are just like from another dimension, like what they're doing with syncopation and rhythm. And anyway, I'm, I'm digressing, but like, and, and recently, actually, I've really gotten into Kendrick Lamar. I, I love um, that song, King Kunta, is like the groove. And it's like he's, he's uh, been possessed with the spirit of James Brown. The tone, tonality of his voice is like mm. really James Brown-like to me. And just the groove and the live musicians, like when I've seen him play on those Tonight shows, like, you know, I'm not a hip-hop aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, but... That dude has talent, in my opinion. Um, I really think he's great. I bought his album. That's the last album that I've purchased um, is Kendrick Lamar. And then I saw him, you know, speaking to Quincy Jones and he's hanging out with Barack Obama. You know, the guy's kicking goals. Like, he's, he's, he's going for it. Yeah, so, right. good on him. Stefik, I got this MP3 of Buckley... Um, and it's a it's a recording somebody made off the radio where they had a bunch of musicians at WFMU in New Jersey just playing, and they said, "Hey, we should call up our our friend Jeff." And they they found out that he was having a meeting at Columbia Records, so they call up the studio while they're live on the air, and then Jeff. While they're playing guitar in the studio, he sings, uh, it's a Bob Dylan song and the name escapes me. He sings it over the phone. And when I listen to it, it's haunting because it's almost like he's calling from the beyond, you know? And that to me is like one of those absolute lightning bolt moments, you know? Could you send that to me, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, all right, you're gonna have to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll all pass right. that pass that along. I also I got like a frame poster of uh, Buckley's Australian tour on the uh, of uh, oh, nice. uh, on Grace. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, that's... he died like he. I, I just got right into him, and then he died. Like I was yep. so devastated by that because I, I never got the chance to to see him play, but. I did. I did meet a the, the guy that I was kind of like my musical brother um, in the band before Twelve Foot Ninja called Flow. We had a. I called it the parallel development. It was the idea of mixing heavy music with stuff that's completely not heavy. And this guy Heath, he could sing Buckley. Like, I. I mean. People say this, and it's such a cliche, but I, I will back up what I'm saying, send you um, some recordings. We played in a cafe one night and played Grace. And I've never it's I've never been in a live performance situation where I was looking at the singer. He, he may as well have been, like, levitating or shooting lasers out of his eyeballs. Like, what happened <laughs> was just unbelievable. And unfortunately... Uh, he par- Heath passed away. He died in a motorcycle accident um, the same day that uh, Jimi Hendrix died at the same age. And I don't know, this is, uh, it sounds weird, but there's this strange, you know, that 27 Club or whatever it is. I, yeah. I sort of, I hate that superstitious shit, but there's a little niggly part of my brain that wonders whether people with that much talent, you know, are allowed to be on the earth for too long or something. There's a time limit for that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I just, it, it was a profound moment that um, words can't really describe, but I'd love to um, substantiate the Buckley claim because um, 
you always hear people say, ah, he sings like Buckley and you hear it and it's nothing like it. So um, when I'm saying he nailed Grace, I mean it was like the record. Like it was unbelievable. But That's impressive. Anyway, yeah. Well, you posted Again. recently about like, you know, just basically railing a little bit about uh, uh, people getting on your guys' case for trying to mix up the genres a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely... Uh, there's a thing there that pisses me off for sure. Um, and I, I guess um, it's kind of interconnected with the troll, the trolling kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously um, we put a lot of effort into making that clip ain't that a bitch. And that sort of, um, you know, is making a bit of a statement about the issue. And Super I, violent, I by the way, you know, lots of way too much blood. I felt it was a little bit, you know, over the top. Uh, I was, it was over the top. Uh, <laughs> it, was pretty, it, was pretty, it was pretty funny. Well, well done, by you the know, way. You know, the, um, the thing about that video is that it was never meant to be that gory and violent. Um, that part was just meant to be quite quick um, and not as full-on as it ended up. But what I... What I underestimated was the special effects artist's ability to create the most realistic-looking blood and gore, um, and he's he's known in the industry. He, he worked for Weta Workshop. Um, you know, he, he worked on uh, The Hobbit and King Kong, and um, he really knew his shit. So it just came out looking really real, and then the editor got it, and he did all this sort of you know, um, strobe light kind of stuff. Um, and the humor got sucked out of it and it got really serious. <laughs> and I, I, it wasn't the original vision, but when I saw it, I went, holy fuck, you know, this is, it's dark. This is dark. It's cool. But, you know, but yeah, I don't know. It does cross. I, I agree with you. It, it does cross the line, but you know, I'm not advocating that you go and, um, meat cleaver up internet trolls um it's it's meant to be symbolic it's it's a yeah. fictitious thing but i don't take issue with people who hate 12 foot ninja um that's perfectly fine i personally don't like brussels sprouts i would go as far to say as i hate them but i think there is a line um in my head when people just don't like something or have a different preference to when they unleash you know, this vitriol, this vitriolic garbage that just seems so um, disproportionate to what is actually going on. I find it kind of fascinating. And one thing that, you know, I've done it a few times is I actually find out who these people are and I confront them um, and just say, you know, what's up? Did I wrong you or something? Why, why what's with the, uh, what's with the mega hate and, Every time they do a 180 and say, oh, I had a bad day or, you know, I don't really, you know, it's pretty good. Like, you know, they always backtrack, you know, like I'm talking about when people say you guys are a bunch of faggots, you know, or um, how did you, how did you five retards survive your abortions? You're horrible for existing, quit and die. You know, all of these things are real, are real um, comments that people are sending. And I think that out of some strange evolution, a cultural um, creation has occurred where that's acceptable um, and you just write it off as, well, that's the internet. But none of those people would say that to my face. I'd be really surprised if they did, you know, and that's not, a, I'm not being sort of uh, some sort of macho idiot. I'm just saying m m most people in society would not 
say those kind of things to people who are just creating music. Maybe if I performed genocide or, um, you know, raped some people or something that I'd be deserving of, of, um, you know, that kind of attitude. But yeah, so I mean, that was something I looked into a lot and there's already a lot of research that's been done at a university level on the psychology of internet trolls and, and the need, why do people feel the need to lash out, um, in this vitriolic way, um, like with hate filled comments that are just out of the blue, you know, designed to get a reaction. And the reaction is sort of fuel to feel like some, uh, sense of worth, um, for the individual. It's really, um, the interesting part is I think that when I see people, you know, using that kind of approach, it's really just a neon sign pointing to them saying, I'm damaged, like I'm insecure. They're inadequacies, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think, well, now that we know what it is and we can identify it, let's move past it, you know, because I do try and be really interactive with social media and, um, you know, that's why I was was fortunate enough to meet uh, Jenny, who's going through the cancer treatment like she was just someone who heard 12 foot ninja on the radio she didn't even write to us it was just through the mentions feature in facebook that i was able to see okay um she'd written something and i thought it'd be nice to chime in i didn't know anything about the cancer stuff that's cool um but it's definitely um it wrecks it for other people when bands i think just go social media can't be fucked with that you know it's just full of dickheads um and it spoils it for other people so Yeah, I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but going back to your original point about, um, you know, the genre thing, I've got a theory about why that occurs, um, which, you know, it's just a theory, but I think if you trace the evolution of metal and how it evolved, it's always had an aspect of machismo connected to it. There There is an undeniable element of masculinity in heavy metal music. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're of a fe- you're female that you can't appreciate that or connect to it just as much as males can. I think females absolutely do. Um, all genders um, connect with it. But I think it's when you see the music you listen to as an extension of your own identity that um, it really narrows the criteria of what you're allowed to like and, and what other people should like. And then... This, it's not even metal, hashtag kind of, it's not even metal. I, I see that all the time and it's like, what is even metal? Like, who, who defines it? Who is the arbitrator of the universe that makes a distinction? If you actually look up the definition of metal, there's a lot of metal that isn't even metal that's metal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, my theory is 12-foot ninja, our whole, our whole mission or, you know, a lot of my approach – my whole life has been to have divergent genres like interconnected. I find it interesting. I love, I love the textures and the dynamics that you can get out of it. But what I think is happening is a lot of metal elitists or the metal purists, they might hear a heavy riff. Um, maybe they even like it. They, they might not be fond of melodic vocals. But then as soon as something like salsa or bossa or funk comes in, it's like a challenge to their sense of masculinity. And by listening to it, they then somehow become um, 
they, they have this reaction like it's a challenge to their sense of who they are. I'm a tough guy. You know, you can't put that faggoty um, fucking funk shit in the middle of my metal or whatever. And they have this reaction. It's like it's like you've you've just sort of called them a sissy or something, you know, Just and it's just by listening to your song. So this internal dialogue's happening in their head, and by the time it reaches you, it comes out of their mouth, and they, they say you should kill yourself, you know. <laughs> so it's just the, the final point connected to that is, you know, if you're one of those people that's concerned about being tough, I would argue that the toughest people on the face of the planet don't listen to metal. They don't actually get their sense of toughness from the music they listen to. I would, I would argue they probably listen to Roy Orbison Kenny G, Enya, like, I reckon you'd be surprised. Classical music or bloody, like, Sopranos, you know, Andre Pacelli or whatever. Like, the people who are actually the most hardcore motherfuckers out there, I don't think are sitting there listening to some bloke screaming like Cookie Monster, you know, blast beats and notes that don't go beyond a, a two-fret range on the guitar. That's not... That's not going to be what defines toughness. I'd well, they weren't at the it. Air Supply concert I was at recently, so <laughs> that, that much I can say. I, you can never tell, man. I reckon one of the most fucked up people in the music industry, um, you know, is Mike Patton, and he wears an Armani suit. All right. Like, you know, that guy's not wearing a fucking metal uh, getup. He's, he's, he's rocking... He's yeah, but that little pencil mustache makes me go, no, nah, I'm not going to fuck with that guy. <laughs> nah, there's, there's no fucking way. That guy, uh, you know, something about him. He used him. to poop in public. <laughs> well, the, well the, this the thing is that, like, on the, on the one hand, like, I, I totally agree with you. I think it, 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 you're absolutely right. But I think that the, what I think is interesting is you guys mix a whole lot of genres, but at the end of the day, and you, like you said, uh, metal is the cheese on the pizza, right? But in a way, it's like the only way that people are getting introduced to you is through the pizza place that's selling metal. It's not like you guys can play a jazz festival or a salsa festival or something like that. They, they won't even accept you enough to let you perform. Whereas metal, I think, is more open-minded, at least uh, in that regard, where we've long been including other genres in our music. Yeah. I uh, couldn't agree with you more, and I, I want to make it clear that I'm definitely not trying – I don't mean to tar the metal community with the same brush because the reality is they have – you know, the metal community has embraced 12 Foot Ninja. And, I mean, a lot of the bands that we look up to fit in the metal community or, or heavier sort of styles. I mean, even Mr. Bungle. I mean, you can't call them metal, but a lot of people who like metal like Mr. Bungle, and there are heavy aspects to what Mr. Bungle did. So I, I agree a hundred percent there. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's hard because when we get played on Sirius XM Liquid Metal, which by the way we can't even listen to, like it's like this Narnia world that is in the <laughs> closet somewhere. Like we don't. It, that's the weird thing. Like people are like, oh, they must be fucking paying Jose, and like how do they they paying off Sirius XM? It's like. We'd never heard of this thing. Like we don't know, <laughs> like we don't know anything about it, you know. And then we see often after the fact we're popping up on Devil's Dozen or whatever. Like I, I don't know. I guess it's I can understand it in a way. Liquid metal, you know, are the parameters? Is the mandate of liquid metal just to play metal, or is it to 
introduce people to the to the fringes of metal like i mean i don't know um what the the goal is so i can see how some people are like you know who want to hear cattle decapitation or whatever it's called and all of that sort of really um you know clearly heavy metal um stuff and then we come on that they might feel like hey i didn't sign up for this so i don't know how to address that it's i don't have a lot of control over um when that happens um but out of it, you know, we get a lot of supporters because they're listening to Liquid Metal and they discover us and um, they do have other interests in music other than, you know, fr- brutal from start to, to finish. Um, well, see, I, I, so, yeah. I, I think a lot of those metalheads that, uh, that, that have that problem uh, were damaged by, like, um, the blending of rap and metal together, you know, like they're hurt by Limp Bizkit, you know, like it's like yeah. the, and can't forget that. But I, but I, but I really do think that you know, as far as open mindedness, I, I think you got, if nothing else, metal is what extremes people that are, that are that extremely open minded. And like, I really want to hear this next to capital decapitation because I like to hear it right there. Or yep. I can't fucking stand it. I'm going to email the. I'm going to. T- I'm going to type and post this because this guy's a dick. I can't believe it's on my radio. You know, it, and yeah. it's like these extremes that you get because of the nature of the genre itself, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. I, I just look at metal like it's a, a dynamic. Like it's. I think all genres are just dynamics. Like, and you can use them to to make people feel different things. And metal is the most appropriate dynamic to express, you know, anger and aggression. And aggression doesn't have to be negative. Mm. Um, You know what I mean? So I think, like, you know, funk has got a completely different mood associated with it. So does any Latin American uh, styles uh, have different different moods associated. So I think it's all – I look at it like it's all good. And, you know, I can listen to a bunch of shit. I I mean, you can get – I mean, this is controversial, but – you can listen to the poppiest crap on the radio and admire the production. Like, even if you hate the song, like, there's always something you can get from music. Um, there's always something good about it, even if you hate it. Like, you, I think it would be good if people could um, appreciate for what it was, um, even if they don't dig it. So the best critiques and reviews that are negative to 12 Ninja are the, are the ones where they say, you know what? It's not my cup of tea, but if you like this, this, and this, maybe it might appeal to you. Here are my issues with it, um, yeah. but they're subjective. I love it when they qualify what they're saying with, in my opinion. I can't stand the absolutes, uh, the comments that are absolute when, you know, you can always argue that everyone knows it's subjective, but I still think it's nice to include that in the sentence because some people seem to, to not be aware that it is completely subjective um what works for one person is is going to be uh crap to someone else you're absolutely right and everybody else is totally wrong i totally agree (laughs) (laughs) well paul simon basically said something something you know similar to what you're saying where paul simon was saying that uh you know anytime that there's any artist out there that's creating anything but let's talk about just music and they have some sort of audience that appreciates what they do if he is not doing the same thing he's envying that audience like what am i missing here there's there must be something that these people see in this and i always thought that was really admirable and interesting because it was sort of a, a you know from one of the greatest songwriters of all time 
somebody yeah. saying, I, I, I need to be more open-minded, and I'm always trying to be. Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, you know, and I've often, um, you know, challenged some people when they when they uh, make comments like, this is total, um, total shit, you guys are talentless hacks or whatever. You know, nine times out of ten, they're a musician themselves, and they don't expect you to drag up their music and bring it into the conversation. I often say, post their, their own link to themselves and say, well, point out, you know, lead me to what's brilliant about this. Like, what should I be aware of? And mm. they fucking turn into just little worms and, like, go under the door. Like, it's, it's, it's bullshit. I, I think the attitude needs to be uh, more open-minded in general because that's the only way that new shit is going to evolve. Um, and when I say new shit, no one can create new shit, inverted uh, quotation marks. Um, it's the combination of existing things done in a new way that's going to lead things forward. Who knows where metal's going to evolve to? Like, you know, Meshuggah turned shit on its head with their um, total annihilation of every rhythmic possibility, you know, um, and, and spawned a, an entire generation of, of bands inspired by that singular concept of um, displaced rhythm and also, you know, syncopation, those, those concepts. It's like a lesson. Like you get a lesson when you listen to Meshuggah. Um, who's going to be the next person who does that? You know, someone's going to mix like Finnish fucking folk music with, oh, they already have, you know. All <laughs> too, too late. Oh. <laughs> yeah, too late, yeah. So that's what I mean. It's like just you can get something out of everything. I mean, it, like I've put flicked it onto the country channel and, you know, just giving it some time and like the guitar players are off their face. Like they're amazing. You know, a lot of the country guitar players and the, the songs all have stories and you follow it. It's a narrative. Like you actually know what they're talking about. It's not this obscure um, riddles and symbolism that you need a thesaurus and like half an hour to try and attach some meaning to it. It, it has its positives. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, too naive and optimistic to hope that people could just try and get something positive out of music as a, instead of using their energy to, you know, smash it into uh, pieces. But Are you hinting that you're going to pull that, like, country music trick where they sing a song and somebody dies from cancer at the end? You know, <laughs> you set this up for that? Oh, oh no, no. Well, um, maybe a solo album. That's when I completely... <laughs> I completely lose my mind. Um, it kind of ties back into what we were talking about in the beginning, right? Where, where, how you feel about yourself and living in the moment and being where you are right now. Why you as a person, why do you feel it's your responsibility to confront that with these people that are the detractors? You know, I mean, that stuff is out there everywhere, right? And I mean, you know, we see it and most of us nowadays are just like, oh, fuck it. It's the internet. Like you said. Why yeah. do you feel like it's it's important for you to step up and be that dude that calls them out on it, even though the because you kind of like you said, you know what the reaction is going to be? That's a really good question. Um, I think it's a combination of my Larry David like OCD compulsions to I do it in real life. Yeah. So you know, um, do I look at the internet internet like it's not real life? Uh, if I do that. I'm, it's hard for me, like, I'm a bit binary. So if I turn the internet off in my head, like, figuratively, and say this is not real, 
I miss out on all the positive shit of, you know, really connecting with real, you know, people who are real and giving people the benefit of doubt who reach out to us. Because even the, even the fuckwits are probably good people. They might have just been having a bad day and they think you're not there. They think you're not on the other end. Or, they, or there's a, the minority want you to be other, on the other end and they want to think that they've spoiled your day a little bit because they, they somehow take personal offence of what you do and they derive, like I said, a sense of worth out of doing that. So I don't know. I believe that the – and this might be way too idealistic. I think the internet can evolve beyond um, trolling because it's clear that to be a troll – is self-admission of being an in- inadequate, uh, insecure, damaged individual. So the fact that that's clinically, you know, well, you can't clinically prove it with a blood test or anything, but it's, it is psychologically um, as good as proven. Uh, you know, you only have to Google um, peer-reviewed papers on that kind of behaviour. Behavior. So if that is the case, then it, when is it going to become the norm that when people see it, it, all the wind is removed from those sails. Any weight that would have give, been given to that in, in the past is now removed and you just see it for what it is and as pathetic. That's kind of my trip. That's, I guess, what I'm going on with. But, you know, I've often engaged with people um, civilly, I'm, you know, and they, like I said, as soon as they know that you're there, they change their tune. They literally do a 180. So... I don't know. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Mercur, who is a female black metal musician. And just because of her gender, she's getting more than just abuse. She's getting death threats and has finally decided, I just can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm pulling out of the Internet. Is that the right thing for her to do? Or should, could she have been more uh, confrontational, I guess, or interactive with those people who were, you know, the, the positive side were, or, the, or on the negatives as well oh, yeah, in order yeah. to change their minds? Um, I, I believe she could. She, I mean, I'm not saying she should have, but it, it's she could have, you know, I guess because like Pareto principle, you know, 20% do 80% of the damage. Like mm-hmm. there's not that, like in the scheme of things, there's probably a lot more people that would be for her than against her. But, you know, it, you do question, like, I, you know, one of my other posts I, I wrote when people say you should do it for the love of it. And I take issue with that a little bit because you get nothing back. It's really about personal satisfaction and you get abused. So you can see why some people go, you know what? Fuck this. Like, I'd rather play Xbox or if I'm doing it for myself, I'll just do it for myself and fuck everyone else. doesn't cost me any money. I can save up and get a better car or, like, put some money into um, something that has a longer life. So... I can see why a lot of that shit pushes people over the edge to the point where they go, I don't need it. Um, it's, can, it can I quote the, you? The negative, I don't know. What did I just say? <laughs> you, you, well, because you, cause you, say, you said 12-foot ninja will cease to exist if this personal sacrifice bullshit drags on much longer. Like it's, it's like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, you know, that's my reaction when I read that sentence. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a, I, I sort of, I've been, I'm in kamikaze mode at the moment. 
Um, and it's only going to get worse the closer I get to the target. <laughs> but the way I look at it is I don't want to break up and then say all the shit that was wrong with the current state of the uh, industry. I want to say it before we break up. So people have the opportunity to get on board and understand because I, I think there is a veil of sort of, uh, what's the word, misleading information over the music industry. I think a lot of bands are preoccupied with looking more successful than what they are. And I think there's a dip, there needs to be a differentiation between emotional value and material value and emotional return and material return. And a lot of people like the, the cliche of do it for the love, but there's a point in someone's career trajectory where the emotional return isn't sustainable. That's just an economic reality. So, you know, when you do a stock take of the sacrifice that's required to be in a band, and, I, you know, let me just qualify this with I can see a lot of aspirational bands thinking what I'm saying is some sort of, um, I don't know, prima donna shit. But those bands that have toured, you know, like what you said, when you've played big festivals, when you've toured internationally, when you've done all, you've ticked all those boxes, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of keep giving you that return. You sort of go to the next point and then the next point, and then you're like, you get to a certain point and you go, well, where to from here? Like, mm-hmm. is this it? And then if that's it, can I keep doing this? Uh, is it, is this what I want to do with my life? Do I want to be a vagrant, poor person suffering for their art in some romantic ideology of being a music martyr for the people because I love playing guitar and playing with my mates and making music? Like, I can totally get why all these bands are quitting and they don't want to sort of raise the issue beforehand because it's really hard to do it and not sound like a whiny asshole. Like... So for me, I just want to keep doing what we're doing, but I'm going to point out what's happening along the way. And that's why I wrote that post because I'm sort of, I have missed anniversaries. I have missed birthdays. You know, um, I've been away for long periods of time from people and you do lose your mind when you're on tour. You're in a tin can with a bunch of other dudes and um, the lifestyle is nowhere near as glamorous as what people assume it is like you resort to caveman kind of you're down to the primitive functions where am I going to shit what can I eat what I better make sure whatever I eat doesn't make me want to shit too soon like (laughs) you know all this stuff like it's not like you can't shit on the bus so there's you know it's uh and Jose always jokes that we're always talking about shit but if you don't shit you die (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, okay, so, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record, but going back to the beginning again, you know, when living in the moment and that moment that you're there, you know, you're talking about these these pieces and thinking about the things that are ahead and what you're and, and where you're going and what, and what the what that motivation may look like. But isn't it all for that moment of being in front of that audience and being and, and doing that? I mean, you for like you said, for the love of it, that feels like one of those things that we were talking about in the beginning is that. That's the moment. 
that it's all for is it not or or, or is it for something else or is there that's when it, is there a, that's when it beats being in a cubicle yeah yeah it's like or is there is there a gap between those two things that cannot be bridged or is it just a phase on a timeline at some point you know like it's hard um that, I know, deep shit man i know yeah it's, it's hard to answer that because i mean i um yeah i don't know like i i have to censor my response because i know i don't have a, a popular opinion on that um i love playing to i love the energy and I, you know i love people um digging it but i do I do feel a little numb sometimes um, and I do suffer from tinnitus as well. So I get a lot of, I get a lot of ringing in my ears. Like, and again, people will be like, but like, it's, you know, it's fucking irritating. Um, And, you know, put everything physically into a show. You're, you're physically knackered. You've got this shit ringing in your ears and, for that split moment um, where you get to connect with the audience, it's brilliant. But if I was to say that that is the dividend for all of the work, Mm. it's not enough. Like it's not enough for me. And maybe what I'm saying is wrong. And, and maybe I'm, people will think I'm a jerk for thinking this, but you know, I've, I've been touring for, a long time, um, not with just 12 foot ninja. I've worked in the industry as a session guitarist with a lot of pop acts and I've traveled all over the world. I'm not a traveler. Like I like being at home and having normality in my life. And, um, the vagrant lifestyle of a touring muso, the rock star thing, I just don't subscribe to that ideology at all. I, what motivates me is, coming up with a clever arrangement of a song or, you know, producing something that I think, you know, I'm, I like that. That's cool. You know, or achieving stuff like actually getting kudos from, from musicians that I admire. Um, I don't know the compliments of everyone else. sort of I can't feel them or something like it just, I'm suspicious that they're real. I don't know. It's hard to, to um, explain, but, I'm just, you know, when you do that shit and you come home with a debt that would make people fucking lose their bowel movements, it would just, they, everything would come out if they knew the debt that you face when you come home. It's really hard to say it was all worth it when you've got to struggle your ass off to try and get back to normal. That's why it's mental touring. It's why it's mental being in a band because you have these incredible highs where you're like winning a golden God award and hanging out with fucking Tony Hawk and Carmen Electra. And then, you know, playing at rock on the range to t- fucking 15,000 people or however many it was talking to the deaf tones who say, yeah, really dig your shit. And then you come home and you got to work your ass off to pay off the debt to experience that. It's like, if you made enough money, you could just pay to, to go and simulate all that shit. Like, I don't mean to bring it back to be all about money. I'm just saying it is a sacrifice that a lot of people want to do. They, they The idea of getting in a van and hitting the road with your pals and playing music just sounds like the best thing you could possibly do. But when you've done that shit for a while, like, 
you know what I mean? After it just, it, the edge comes off. It's like any drug. Like you start doing ecstasy, you need to take two pills next time, three pills, and then it's not hard enough. You need to hit heroin. Like you can't sustain that initial rush forever. There's got to be something else. And in the past, that something else was you could do it for a career. Now that part's virtually been removed and you do it for the love only. That's all that's left. And that's why I wrote on that, that Veil of Mayors, the manager that, that um, you know, kind of rebutted the singer from Viata's Murder, an Aussie band, when he was like, you know, he didn't, he didn't bring it up. He just left. And that's, I don't want to do that because the issues that he brought up are real. And he's like, I want to start a family and, and get married and I can't bring up a kid with this kind of existence. Um, and I can definitely relate to what he's saying. And I think I don't really get his figures, to be honest. I don't know whether he was saying he earned that much per year or that much in the entire lifespan. All I know is what we make. And like I said, we've bought a couple of pizzas and about a slab of beer and we're looking down the barrel of an insane debt. Yeah, I just think the simple solution is if people fucking like your music, and what I mean like, I don't mean they listen to it once on Spotify. I mean like they create a playlist on Spotify and they keep fucking listening to it over and over again. No, they pledge they to your pledge music. Like, like they, they, I was you know, going to say, they, they pledge to your pledge music. You know, I mean, that's, and that's kind of the, the, the cool thing to see what, you know, we, we talked to the guys from protest, the hero who had like one of the biggest, you know, successful crowdfunding campaigns. And it's this direct input from fans and, and whether you trust or mistrust, whatever, whatever a fan may say or do, if they're putting their money where their mouth is, as far as I'm going to pledge to your album, buy your second record that's going to be coming out they're they're invested in the band. That's a, that's got to feel good. That's got to be something that's motivating for you, right? It does. And I spend a lot of time personally speaking to anyone who writes to us on our in our pledge campaign. Because it's sort of like you, if you pre-order the album, it's like a portal where we're there and you can speak directly to us. And the only people that can see it are other people who have pledged. They're outliers as far as I'm concerned. These, these people are the real deal um, and that they really do support us. And that's, that's amazing. I guess a comment that I made zooming out from that, not to take anything away from those outliers, the early adopters of support, the number of people is so disproportionate to the number of YouTube-like subscribers and views and Facebook likes that we've got. So, like, I'm wondering who the fuck are, who are all these other people? Like, you know, and it's too early to, to make a, a judgment about that because we don't even have a set release date. You know, there's not even, I mean, some people just don't like pre-orders. They buy it when it comes out. So I'm not, I'm not, I know there are a, a decent whack of people that, that will get onto it, but you can't help but to ask these questions. And I think it's easy from a non-musician punter point of view to go, ah, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about that shit. Um, I just saw a rant from a, 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 a mastering engineer saying, um, don't worry what radio thinks. Like, you should just um, do whatever the fuck you want to do and do it because you love it. Now, 
the irony in that is that he's a mastering engineer. He's a service provider who gets paid to master these records. He could master a fucking two hours of ducks quacking and he still gets paid. doesn't matter. Like, do it for the love, man. That's an easy, easy sort of uh, monologue um, to, to say. But I don't hear that coming from musicians and they feel remiss to express this opinion because they're going to get fuckwits jumping down their throat and abusing them about it and saying they've got the wrong attitude. And it's like, well, you haven't walked in those shoes unless you've walked in the shoes sort of thing. So when you say that you're going to be kamikaze until you hit the target, what is the target? I think the target's the, the point where I'm convinced that this is all a waste of time. So not the opposite. Like, no, when when we've sold X number of uh, albums or we're getting this guarantee on average is when I know we hit the target. Now I'm good. I can stop being. Now I can pull up. Yeah, I'm not quantifying it that way. It's more about there'll be a moment and I'll know when it occurs where I look at how much it's costing, the financial and, uh, you know, other loss. Emotional. It's emotional loss that's occurring and it'll just be obvious in my brain this is this you can't keep doing this like this that's going to be the message or i'm glad you stuck with it that'll be the i hope that's the internal dialogue i'm glad you stuck with it i mean i've been doing this since i was 15 it's been my obsession i've made it's hard to to it's like you know do you need an understudy (laughs) It, it sounds like you need an understudy yeah, I've thought about that. It looks quite franchisable. You know, bald head, yeah, beard. Totally. Everyone look. you know, maybe some <laughs> earrings and shit. Easy. Just play guitar. You're going to know the songs. But, I mean, I love creating. I, like, I get a massive kick out of the videos and creating stupid skits like the one-hand-killing stuff. Like, I, I I, love that that aspect to it. I love lots of aspects. I don't mean to sound like a negative asshole. I, I really do get a lot of enjoyment out of creating all this shit. It's just I'm getting fatigued. Um, I've been doing it for a long time. I'm not as young as I was, and I and you're to, married now. I'm married, you know, so th- that's got to change. That's today. new. What One year anniversary, anniversary. Today? today? Oh, you're kidding! Oh, Why are you talking to us? Yeah. What the hell's going on? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> well, my wife's at work, so um, you know I love talking to you guys. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh. This is how I spend my wedding anniversary. You better be going buy some flowers here after we're done, you know? Yeah, I should. Well, we're, we're trying to renovate uh, this house. It's taking forever. Um, that's definitely I saw your ping pong table, dude. You're living the dream. You're the dude who's like, it's almost like you became, maybe you. the story is that like you became a singer so that you get like this model looking wife who's a doctor and you got this massive house. I mean, that's that's the advice you should be sending to the dude to die out as murder. You should be just like introducing him to your wife's friends. Yeah, well, I mean, a- anything that I've made in this house is because of my job. You know, which is quite ironic because I teach music industry marketing and songwriting. Someone has to see the irony in you make more <laughs> teaching it than actually doing it. Hey, well, uh, you know, mastering versus making, and uh, and so yeah, on. Not uh, to mention, not to mention, you're standing in front of a classroom of people who just—they've got stars in their right, eyes right. and hope and oh, dreams dude. and. 
No, I'm a dream smasher. <laughs> I screw their dreams up and put them in a blender. Um, no, I, I, I don't. I, I try and arm them with everything that I've learned um, and show the path to possibility. Um, but, you know, the, the, the weird thing is about um, the whole marketing idea with music is that really the si- most simple like you could you could say this one thing and go degree done see you later good luck is you just have to be good yep and that's it that's why there are people that can record a clip in their toilet with an iphone you know and then be playing glastonbury festival the next you know <laughs> year it, it's just about being good i think a lot of bands and artists get too wrapped up in um, thinking there's some magical marketing like thing that you can do um, that'll make all the difference, but it's really not. I mean, look at Periphery. Why do they? Why are they so popular? Um, because Misha Mansour was creating great shit from his fucking house. Like I remember seeing on seven, I think it's sevenstring.org that that forum. You know, this guy Misha creating these awesome tracks and giving them away for free. And he had a picture of his studio and it was like a PC, a printer and a pod. And <laughs> you hear the, the quality and you're like, what the fuck? And then, you know, look what look where they are now in terms of um, that genre, you know, that, that gent kind of, um, for lack of a better term. I think it's just, you know, if, if you are good, it will it'll come out, you know, um, so that's it. Amazingly, I think you and Derek Brewer actually probably agree on a hell of a lot more than what you disagree on. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago about that article, and and yeah, one of the things he was saying is like it's not against the artist's murder or anybody. It's just about I just want to make sure that the dream remains alive and that there's some ammunition for these people before they pursue the dream. It is really difficult to put five hundred, you know, paying people in a room you know yeah i mean like i would never say uh to anyone give up i just would say you've got to survey the environment and be aware like that's it um and i i didn't want to, people having miss i didn't want people reading the article going sick i can earn 50 grand a year playing in a band and it's like well a lot of people um perceive 12 foot ninja to be on the top of some pile, you know, whatever that might mean, they see us as a profile band. And I guess we do have a profile to an extent, not as much as periphery, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't really have a gauge um, because I, I live on an island in the middle of the ocean. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I wanted to make sure that I added some sort of clarity to it um, and dispelled any myths that 12 foot ninja. Because, you know, I do, people, if they look at my social media and, and go, I do have some house renovation shit, you know, um, they're, they're like, well, that guy's buying a house or, you know, that must be, it must be working out. And it's like, well, no, I gotta, I gotta make it clear. That's from, that's from working. That's from getting a degree and having a job. Like, so, that's so your I wife didn't marry you because you're a rock star. Um, no, she she uh, she actually encouraged me to to start Twelve Foot Ninja. Um, so she, she was there way back then because you know, like I said, my Heath um, passed away, and you know, I was like, I don't know if I've got the energy to to um, 
to do this because I, I got rejected from every, every arm of Sony music in the world because I was playing with Australia's biggest female export and I gave my, I used it as an opportunity to pimp my demo out to everyone and they, they all said, your music's confused, you know, what genre are you, you can't market this, um, stick to one thing, is it heavy or is it not heavy? And I, I sort of started to believe it. Maybe I'm some sort of dysfunctional songwriter that I maybe I just can't do it. And she was like, nah, you know, she encouraged me to, to give it a crack. And 12 Foot Ninja encountered the same shit for the first couple of EPs. It's confused. You don't know. You know, when they figure out their sound, you know, then, then it'll be good. And then Silent Machine kind of solidified, actually, this is the sound. This is the idea. It's a genre mashing. We coined the pretentious uh, genre description of heavy fusion and all of a sudden now it's it's okay it's accepted so I think that one piece of advice to anyone who's getting rejected a lot and they have enough strangers saying that it's good you know keep keep at it that that would be something I'd say because often you know we do need the next Meshuggah like we do need the next Jeff Buckley um and if you listen to the naysayers early on, it, it can be damaging. And all this shit, like I'm, li- I'm, I'm hearing what I'm saying through the filter of some one of those fuck faces on the internet, and I can, I can, uh, <laughs> I can hear, Aww. I can, hear, I can hear the uh, the comments. But you know, all I can say is it's it's hard to relate to something that you haven't um, had some kind of. Uh, experience in that's all i can all i can say um are you guys feeling a bit like you're on the verge of something at this point i mean we've been hearing people talk about 12 foot ninja for years people who respect what you do but i mean and maybe this is a bit of the serious octane attention etc but it's starting to feel like you guys are kind of on the verge are you feeling that too i sort of do but again like you know man when i the first time like as soon as I put my feet on American soil, I feel like anything's possible. That sounds really cheesy, but that's the truth. Like when you get to America, it's just like it becomes real. But like I said, all serious octane and, and uh, all of that stuff, it's hard to connect with it because I'm not immersed in it. And, I, and, you know, when I came back to Australia after, the you know, one of the last trips and like we won a Golden Gods Award, I may as well have just said, we got a back a bag of tar. Like that's the that's the response. Like people are like, what? Golden gods, what is that? Like a some sort of metal? Like dude, what do you get? Uh, who did it? You know, and it's like no one gives a fuck over here. <laughs> you know, so serious ox serious um, XM octane, you know, getting one hand killing played all those times. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. So I'm the reality that I'm in right now is disconnected from what we're going to experience when we head back and tour in the states. And then when's we'll that? Be like when's that? It for the first time. Well, yep. when is that? Is a good question. Um, I can tell you with decimal point certainty that we're about forty-two point four percent complete on the album. And the remaining, whatever the percentage is remaining, is going to happen exponentially faster because a lot of the uh, processes, the the difficult ones, are done. As soon as the album's done, then there'll obviously be the release campaign and 
shortly after that, a tour. And I assume you got to time it out between semesters from work and that sort of thing. That's yeah. I, um, that that was a big hurdle with the band because of my work. But yeah, it has to it has to fit around um, fit around those semesters. Uh, luckily, the other dudes in the band have jobs that are a little argue. They would argue that they're not flexible, but they they're they can't hear this. So <laughs> <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs> not yet. Uh, uh, they are um, a bit more flexible uh, in terms of they can go away and come back to it, um, whereas I. I can't, otherwise I lose, uh, you know, that's it, I'm, I'm out. So, yeah, that, that's the plan and um, I hope it, it, it can work together. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I'll, maybe I'll reflect on this and, and see that this is just some sort of, uh, you know, uh, artifact or, you know, side effect of such a long process um, to come up with the second album and being isolated in australia and all that kind of stuff um and maybe a lot of my views will be different but you know that's what i'm feeling now and i kind of think there's no harm in being transparent not at all well so uh any uh, as far as specs on any title already for the new record or anything like that uh nuts well, you and bolts? Know, I'm, I'm campaigning for a title that i want to share with you because oh. i think i'm going to get overruled i want to call <laughs> the album you are horrible for existing. Mm. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's something, it's, it's something someone said said to us. Like, and I, I just, I loved it. It, it was just, and I, I made, <laughs> I actually made like a motivational post of this beautiful sunset and then like the, you are horrible for existing. <laughs> and I'm like, I think that would be a cool album. But, you know, the other guys are like, why would you? give that guy the um, the pleasure of naming the album. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I think it's funny. If nothing else, it's a great fucking t-shirt. I mean, like, you know. But that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. I'm, I, I can, there's so many I could do. One 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 of our fans made a, because, I, you know, I was talking about this on my Facebook, and one guy mocked up a family portrait um, with five children because someone said to us, how did you five retards survive your abortions? So that was another one, like a family photo, um, <laughs> that caption. It's kind of... Uh, See, I think it's like the back of a book where you get the quotes on there, you know? Like the back of your t-shirt could be all quotes from those dudes. Says uh, says asshole ninja number 25. And, you know, like uh, like whatever. And, yeah, I think I think it's a perfect t-shirt for you guys. Yeah, yeah I'm just worried that it'll open the... Um, the floodgates, yeah. Floodgates for who can give us the best sort of soul crushing insults. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're, it's yeah. And then it just turns into the metal up. sucks comment section. And I know what that's like. So that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. holy shit. I don't know, what, what are those dudes eating? That's, you know, <laughs> I think they need a good shit. Like there's something not quite right with those people. Not even metal. I feel <laughs> like getting that tattooed right across my forehead so I can headbutt people and, Leave an impression. <laughs> well, dude, Stevic, it has been great talking to you, man. Seriously, it's like, yes. yeah, it's definitely great talking to you, man. And I'm um, digging the new song so far. Uh, looking forward to the new record. And, you know, hell, wish you the best, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, mate. Happy anniversary. Thank you, dude. I, thanks very much. Now put your money where your mouth is. You have the method, but will you move mountains? This has become quite a vehicle. With a roof or a grand ice ego. You have a 
This is Tom Mullen from WashedUpEmo.com. And on my podcast, I've interviewed the who's who of the emo post-hardcore scene to only preserve that special time and place before the internet and Zuckerberg ruined our lives for good. Consider it your history lesson in all things emo. The podcast has been featured in iTunes, the Pitchfork Review, and the AV Club. To listen, go to iTunes.com slash WashedUpEmo. But don't even think about trademarking Emo Night. Right and 
Metal Sucks Podcast brought to you by Creative Live. You want to learn how to record music? I know you do. Check out our friends at Creative Live with their classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by your favorite artists, whether it's Dillinger, Periphery, Converge, Between the Bear to Me, uh, our favorite, Y'all Levy. So many different people that teach on creativelive.com slash audio. If you want to learn more and watch some free previews, get over there and check it out and you'll make more friends. You'll be more likable by everybody else. Girls will think you're awesome. And if you're a girl, guys will bow to you. It's going to be amazing. So why don't you uh, go check that out, dude? New music right there from Amana Marth. That one's called uh, First Kill. God, that's so good, dude. That record. I am, uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, it sounds like Amana Marth. You know, what Amana Marth is supposed to sound like. But this is uh, highly aggressive. Like, very, very. It feels tougher than anything they've done in, uh, in, in quite some time. So I'm pretty happy to bring that one to you. Do you think they've, you. like, had, like, every dr- a drummer with long blonde hair who's over six foot four tall? audition for them at this point because i don't think they've named a new drummer yet have they no i don't think officially they have at this point uh, but yeah. they but you know how many of those dudes exist wait that's that entire country isn't it yeah, mm. totally. <laughs> well huh. yeah how hard is it to find a blonde six foot tall man who can beat on things for a living in, in oh come on you know that the height requirement to be in a monomarth goes up every year i mean it's got to be around six foot four now to be it the, their last guy was like really short i think he was only like five nine five ten that's why you had to get relatively of course yeah, that's why you yeah, had to get yeah, out yeah, there exactly. sorry you know sorry it's i mean when like, they upgrade they take that word up <laughs> and upgrade really <laughs> seriously you, know? you have to be larger you must be larger <laughs> good times uh well let's wrap this podcast up man because uh like i said we were doing this one a little bit early since uh seventy thousand tons of metal we're at this point let's see we're probably getting off the boat yeah yeah maybe uh i might have had my bag confiscated uh it's entirely possible i you never know what's in that thing uh, these days, or we might be swimming in the Caribbean somewhere, and they left us behind. It's just, uh, <laughs> that's uh, a possibility as well. So we shorten the shorten the podcast, lengthen the interview. Uh, hopefully, you guys are subscribed already to the podcast, and it comes right to your device or whatever uh, via Stitcher, via Google Play, or iTunes. However, you get it. I'm an iTunes user, so that's where I get my podcast. Select subscribe. That way, you can get it, uh, and you can also leave us a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. You can find us on social media. I am at Bearded Ape. I'm at Godless Speaks. Godless Speaks on Facebook. On Instagram, we are at or at Chuck and Godless, as well as ChuckandGodless.com. That's our Patreon page. If you'd like to support us, we would appreciate it. Thank you to our early adopters. We've got a few new things that we're going to try here very soon. I know we keep saying it, but we're actually going to do it uh, here here at some point. But and we've got a long build up, and hopefully, we'll get some stuff on the cruise that uh, that you might enjoy. Uh, maybe. Can I just take a quick moment to thank? St- uh, Stevic for not only being willing to take so much time with us on his anniversary I know, right? to talk with us for the podcast, but also just to be so incredibly uh, uh, candid and uh, and just willing to be open and, and with not only us, but with you know everybody who listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in, I have a great amount of respect for him now, not only as a musician, but just as an individual. This, was, uh, this, the, 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 this is uh, the kind of conversation that you do have to step away from for a moment and just say, Thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you. And thank you for listening each week here to the Metal Sucks Podcast. Until next week, I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast.
You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.